Hello, Leanna. Hello, Ed. How are you doing? I am taking a break from uh, Tears of the Kingdom, the latest The Legend of Zelda game. Yeah, how many hours you put into that so far? I, I don't know. I haven't checked. But um, there's this one quest in it. They clearly knew what they were doing. There's this obviously gay guy in a resort town who's the construction worker, and he keeps making you collect super straight logs. <laughs> I'm not he, kidding. This is a quest in the game. He needs to be joined by a cop, a yeah. uh, Indian <laughs> chief, um yeah and one other guy so that they can uh sing ymca yeah it's uh nintendo's nintendo's subversive man i i give them credit for stuff like that i mean the japanese don't have the same sensitivities about it that we do here they well I let's mean, not say we because let's differentiate there's right. canada and there's the well, united yeah. states well you know what even in canada things have started to get dumb and it's frustrating that that cultural nonsense has started to pollute our politics. I mean, the only reason I think that the conservatives haven't gone full blown, um, you know, U.S. Republican territory is because Polly Evra's adoptive father is gay. I think otherwise, you know, it would have just been. um uh, cheap shots yeah maybe I, I mean there was this is off topic but i read a story i don't know which state it's in but it doesn't almost matter anymore uh what uh, a teacher was fired for getting her class to sing the rainbow song by dolly parton and miley cyrus really the most innocuous um song but the uh parents said that the uh song uh promotes the acceptance of LGBTQ people. I'm like so what? Really? You're but coming. So you're, what? They're 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 coming right out and admitting we just don't even want them. We don't even want them talked about. Oh, we don't want that, them accepted. That's what it's all about. The yeah, Tommy but at Tuberville. least they're they're not they're not hiding behind veils at this no, point in time. They don't have to anymore because they think they have the Supreme Court. Now I think it's a mistake. I think well-meaning people who just sort of aren't sure they don't want people, you know, what they say, don't rub our noses in it. Uh -huh. um, I think they think this is too much. They're holding up um, appointments until they claw back LGBTQ plus rights in the military, like through the Pentagon. And uh, well, you that's know, Tommy you, Tuberville. The, yeah. The racist who but, took but three, weeks, not... three weeks to admit that white nationalists in the U.S. are racist. Before that, he said, I just called them he Americans. Walked, he walked that back. Finally. No, he walked back the walk back. He walked back the walk back? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it... The, the It's not even dog whistling anymore. It's just open, we don't want your kind here. And... It there there really aren't words for it. It really should there should be some unity on no, you don't you can think whatever you want, but don't start advocating through government to take away people's rights. What's wrong with you? I, I love how freedom has become the polar opposite of freedom now. Now well, it's nobody's free but us. We're 
we're to be free from offense, no one else will be free in their day-to-day lives. Well, it's also, I mean, nobody's more whiny than uh, whiny white people, especially whiny white men. They have whiny white Karens, too. They're like, uh, we're losing our rights. The world is against us. We are Karens victims. Are scary. Yeah, they're, yeah you're, you're, they're victims. How they, are you yeah, victims? Because but, but you have to from... acknowledge other people live. They go from, I'm so scared, to completely blind rage in about three moves. Yeah. And, I mean, those are up here. I, oh, yes. I keep saying we should rename uh, York Region Karenville. You know where else there's rage? Where? In the oceans. The o- Oh. Yep. <laughs> the, the, the sea life are pissed. And they're not taking it anymore. We've heard stories for, I guess, weeks now of, I believe it's killer whales, um, who are attacking boats. They're Mm -hmm. just like knocking the boats over and stuff like that. Nobody seems to know why this is happening. It's like, really? You look at what we've done to the oceans. They're mad. I I love how the, the killer whales are like, no, no, you know what? The o- you guys, you have land, the ocean, that's ours. If you're not going to behave, we're going to mess you up. Well, that, that's the thing. Do do we need to be told why they're doing it? This is natural behavior. Uh, yeah. It, you know, it, we're, we're sharing their space. We're coming into their, their homes. Uh, apparently, it's because various things are messing up the um, the migration patterns and the feeding patterns and things like that. But I mean, I am, I don't want anyone to get hurt, but I am team aquatic life on this one. Well, I, I'm, I'm, just, not quite as, I'm not quite as peaceable as you. I don't care if, as long as I'm not hurt terribly. The, I don't mind. Yeah. See the otter with the surfboards. Yes. That, um, that one, the video is hilarious and I get that it is very dangerous. But the video is so funny of this otter just stealing people's surfboards. I think that's like, I mean, and it, the otter, again, the otter is pissed. They've had enough. <laughs> well, he's, but she, it's she. she. She's biting the surfboards. Maybe she got a DM from Jonah Hill. Oh, boy. Now, Get it? there's a connection uh, that I didn't yeah. see being made. Because uh, his ex-girlfriend was a surfer. Yeah, well, uh, uh, Jonah Hill was uh, having a relationship with a sea otter, but then sent uh, a note to the sea otter and said, if you're going to swim in the water, then uh, uh, we can't, I can't have a relationship with you. You know what? Jonah Hill being a furry would be far more wholesome than what he actually did. You know, I knew something was wrong with Jonah Hill when I saw what he deliberately did to his hair. Oh, like, I who- mean... What do you call that? That that what it's it's a mullet, and, and that's with not for a part. Something. He's he's doing the surfer hair thing. It's the tattoos on his chest that I. What are you doing, dude? I mean, he's clearly not well, but he's also a terrible person. It's possible to be not well and a good person, and not well and a terrible person. I I go into the Jonah Hill situation at length on this week's. It's not therapy. Oh, really? It, it just, yeah, it was, 
it was too good an example of someone just not being accountable and misusing therapeutic language. I couldn't pass up the opportunity. Speaking of opportunities, uh, we both had the opportunity. We went to see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yeah, it was good. It was amazing. I loved every second of the damn movie. I kept waiting for it to start to suck because there were some critics who were, you know, who, who didn't like it. And I'm like, when this movie never started to suck. The movie was really good. The there was opening... a part. There, no, there was a part in the opening. I was like, why do they do stuff like this? It just I can suspend disbelief on certain things. I can't suspend belief on other disbelief on other things. And they pushed me too hard. But it was all uphill from there. The opening that you're referring to is where they de-aged Harrison Ford. This is really well done. It, it well, you you I kept looking for bad digital on it and it wasn't there, but the opening is a throwback to the original films. And then, well, the whole movie's a throwback to the original films. I agree. But after the opening sequence, they they managed to keep the fun and the spirit of the original uh, trilogy and yet also introduce some emotional depth and character development, which, I'm sorry, was not there in the original trilogy because that wasn't the point of it. Critics wanted this movie dead. They wanted it yeah, dead. Yeah, I don't, I other than Harrison Ford being a grump, I don't understand why. They were calling this movie a flop before it was even opened. And I don't, like, there's, this has happened before, and it'll happen again, that for some reason... The Hollywood critics and media decide that they're going to kill a movie before yeah. it even opens. And with a movie like Indiana Jones, after that last, that travesty that was Crystal Skull, which yeah. didn't, which did not have the spirit, the fun, and of the originals. Well, and, and let's bad face CGI. It. Let's face it. That's a big part of the reason that people are being so rough on this one, right? They're still mad about Crystal Skull. Well, and people were probably saying, you know what? After Crystal Skull, I'm going to wait for the reviews. Yeah. And then when the early reviews from Khan came in, they're like, okay, so this one's bad like Crystal Skull. And I I don't know why they took that movie to Khan. I have no idea. Khan is Khan... the snottiest well, place it, to it, release movies. It picks one movie every year that they are just going to destroy i don't see it could it have been better where there were a few obvious missed opportunities to create more emotional resonance and a more solid theme sure but there was nothing wrong with it and phoebe waller briggs was really good yeah she was and the idea that went ahead that, that these these right-wing male nutjobs that they're they're handing the the franchise over to a woman no i didn't get any sense no. in that movie that they were no. handing anything she... like, this was a completion of indy's story this was not a launch of her story she was she was very much the girl friday um what's her name uh kate capshaw type character well from... kate capshaw was not she's uh, i will say that uh phoebe waller Brid uh, bridge's character was Bridges, much right. more self-sufficient than kate capshaw that's, in that's, temple of doom 
that's what the usual suspects have a problem with. And she really wasn't. She probably would have gotten into real trouble multiple times had he not been there. But, you know, oh, she didn't need rescuing. Therefore, the movie's woke. It's like, can we please not do that? You know, Karen Allen and the original Marion Ravenwood didn't need rescuing. I think that, uh, first of you don't send sports writers to review the ballet. Yeah. You know, we have, uh, people have certain beats. Actually, you know, more accurately, you don't send ballet critics to review sports. It, yeah. So yeah. why are critics this all-purpose group that apparently they are, they can, they they can speak without bias to any genre of film when in fact they have biases some like certain types of film some hate certain types of film in fact they hate movies they like films um and so when you send somebody who wants to see a film to see a movie you're not going to get a good review they really ought to be film critics for films and some for movies because the expectation is completely different. Again, if you send a ballet writer to review uh, a monster truck event, you're not going to get a positive uh, view. And you're also not going to get a fair assessment of what that event actually is and how the people who like that event will enjoy it. I mean, Indiana Jones uh, audience score is somewhere around 90 percent, but they don't oh, talk really? about. Yeah. People wow. don't talk about in the media. They don't say, hey, the the audience score is around 90%. This is a good movie. No, they say, eh, the critics were lukewarm. And so the movie's a flop. Now, Hollywood really needs to stop making movies that cost so much money in the production and well, marketing. <laughs> right that now, in order, in order to even break even, they have to Hollywood set box office records. Hollywood is going to stop making movies for a while, period, because both the actors and the writers are out on strike. But I I did read one fair assessment that said the only reason this movie is a so-called flop it was, it was because of how expensive it was to make. If the budget had been more reasonable, it would have been profitable. There may just be not... We're not going to have very many billion dollar movies for a while if you look at what's doing really well it's animations and more um you know things people can take their kids to the mario movie did gangbusters huge and that was critic proof well it, i think that was expectations i mean you can't do anything terribly deep with mario but there is uh there is a, a warmth people feel towards it. And, you know, they 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 clearly knew their formula. It was the right movie at the right time. But, I mean, across the Spider-Verse is a juggernaut. I mean, anything Spider-Man does amazing internationally. So it has that advantage. But it's a it's a very good movie. But it's an animation. And I think people, because everything's so heavily digital now, People want the honesty of it being advertised as an animation. I mean, half of that, half of Dial of Destiny is digital. And that's part of the reason it was so expensive. You so think it, that uh, by this point, digital is so common that the prices would have come down. 
except you and this is why the ai fight is so intense right now because the studios the not the studios the companies the production companies want to cut costs but they don't want to for whatever reason cut the scope of the movie cut the run times or what and and i don't get that like you don't need as many digital effects you don't need all i mean if if disney plus can do what they're doing on television for a fraction of the budget movie companies are just being pretentious on this they can I reduce wonder, the budgets without killing jobs i wonder exactly what the budget is for those individual star wars uh on disney plus kind of episodes i can i can look it up yeah you can look, look it up cuz i suspect that it's it's quite heavy. Okay, so Obi Wan Kenobi, yes. which was one season, and keep in mind these are about uh, these are, you know, there's six episodes. Each episode runs in about forty eight minutes, right? Forty eight minutes to an hour. Six so you're episodes, talking about so you're talking about hours. yeah, you're talking about five hours of content instead of the two and a half to three. Ninety million for Obi Wan Kenobi. Really? Yeah, ninety million. Um, Book of Boba Fett. 105 million for the entirety of the season, 15 million an episode. Andor was more expensive. Andor was 15 to 25 million per episode. Here's a here's a good comparison. All right, let's hear it. The Mandalorian to date. So with the 24 episodes currently released. So that's like 20 hours of of uh content. 360 million. All right, you've made your point. Yeah, these TV shows that look fine. They they look impressive. 20 hours of The Mandalorian cost only 60 million more than that one Indiana Jones movie. They got to start controlling costs. Which makes me wonder, why did Indiana Jones cost that much? Well, part of it was the digital. Part of apparently shooting on location creates a lot of which it does i i was i'm working with some independent filmmakers right now and it's the location shooting that is brutally expensive if you can limit the locations in your project it gets a lot cheaper and of course you know with the mandalorian they reuse the same things over and over i mean the the grogu puppet cost five million alone but that's wait, worth every wait, penny wait Grogu's a puppet? Yes. Or as they call him an animatronic. Wait, Grogu's not real? Grogu is real, Ed. I'm okay, sorry. Okay, thank you. I don't know what you were saying. I guess yeah. the stunt double was animatronic. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, but okay, good. Because some things were just too, too dangerous for little Grogu to do. The other thing is movies have gotten very expensive to go to. That, that is true i mean because they make their money on concessions they don't make well, their money on the movie also all this premium ticketing you know if you want to go to a movie at a certain time you're forced into dvd box or 3d or and i i used to think that really enhanced things now i don't remember the last movie i watched that was really enhanced by 3d i don't remember the last movie i saw in 3d but you know They've gotten to the point now where there's like I think three... uh, Quantum Mania. 
Well, okay. I like that. There's another movie that I liked that I didn't understand yeah. why they beat the crap out of it. But well, that was that was just expectations. I I really like that movie. But yeah. the thing is that they've got so many variations on how how you can see the movie now that I don't even know what they mean. Like yeah. I see, uh, you can see it in D box. I'm like, the hell is D box? That's the moving seats. <laughs> I, I, I think that everybody turns in, off. Yeah, I think I've seen things in D box before. I don't think I ever thought that that was any kind of value. Actually, I wonder if that would help because I get really movies are so blinking long when it comes down to all the commercials and everything like that. I get really sore. Maybe getting jostled around like that would be better for me. I'm not paying the extra price to find out, but um, no, it's I interesting mean... to me that uh, the the Flash made is the biggest flop in the history of Warner Brothers, which is over a hundred years old as a studio. Well, everything about it made it that that one's deserving. Dial of Destiny got kind of robbed. The Flash was up. I don't know why they made some of the choices they did from start to finish. I mean, Ezra Miller totally miscast as Barry. I mean, that Barry Allen is not Barry Allen. They created a personality for him that is not in the comics. And it's not particularly enticing to watch. Um... It, it strikes me as during the Snyder era, they wanted a millennial friendly uh, Justice League member which for some odd reason, 40-somethings mean, think means having to be riddled with anxiety and sexual dysfunction. I don't think The Flash is the kind of character who can really carry a movie on its own anyway. Um, I, you know what? I think with the right script, it might have. I mean, who would have thought Peacemaker would carry a series? James right. Gunn found the right series for the character. All right. It's just that that retconned Batman style flash origin has never really worked for me. And I think making a movie about wanting to go back in time and get a do over. That's not the, that's not the story people want to see after people are trying to shake off that sort of COVID desperation. Also that story was done in the Flash TV series. Yeah, well, that's another problem. I think that people thought Grant Gustin was done dirty. Um, the uh, And I was going to make another point. Now I don't remember who it was, so never mind. Let's go to a break, Leanna. Okay. So, Leanna, no matter what uh, we think about what's coming with Superman Legacy or any other TV series that is either returning or has right. been announced as debuting, that right. ain't going to happen for a while because... Hollywood has the biggest strike on its hand since 19, I think 1960. And they did it to themselves. Well, okay. For those who don't know what the issue is, it centers around AI. Yeah. It, I mean, the, the, the amount of money that writers make for their work has been dropping uh, for years now. And with, with the AI, the concern is that they're going to have, uh, they're going to have uh, AI write scripts. Now, looking at some of the movies that come out there, I'm surprised that AI hadn't written them. Well, I mean, no one needed to be told that Hollywood doesn't appreciate writing. No, and, not at all. I mean, part of the problem with those scripts is the number of rounds of rewrites with different teams that you get. 
and you know, as somebody who does writing and I, I consult on on script writing, I do, you know, artist artist um coaching. Um rewriting, you do lose the plot. And so these multiple rounds of rewrites by different teams, you see where the script falls apart. Black Adam, you could see five different drafts in that movie. And it's for like uh, what? it's it's like the, the Hebrew Bible. Which has two creation stories yeah. uh, of of uh, Adam and Eve because uh, it was two different groups of people who put their books together and uh, they didn't do a, they didn't do a good job editing. Um, but the act the writers are afraid, and I don't blame them. That basically the first drafts of movies will be done by uh, AI, and then they might bring in some writers to make it seem more human. But first drafts people make a lot of money on that and actors, that's how pe- it's how people uh get entry-level jobs in the business too not entry-level jobs but lesser you know i mean there are people who make money reading they're, they're script readers yeah their whole job is to evaluate scripts for producers oh, they've they've been training ai to remove those jobs for a while now most of those people are hacks uh but because they're basically I, um frustrated script writers so yep. they want to be writing their own scripts so they get pissed off at every script they read that somebody else is getting reviewed but now they're hiring those people to train the ai that's going to read the scripts now all the actors uh another thing with ai the movie companies i think it was disney who put this proposal forward i might be wrong no but- it was the i checked this bob Iger made a comment but it's actually the there's a larger negotiating body for the studios that that offered this this stipulation. And the stipulation is they want to scan the uh, the appearance of what they call background performers. Extras. extras. Yeah. And so they want to they want to have them come in to do a job. When they do that job, they scan them digitally and thereafter the studios can continue to use their likeness as extras and pay them nothing. Yeah. They want to pay them for one day's work and then yeah, use and their likeness forever. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's like if you go in, you go into work one day and uh, you do a day's worth of work and then they have a, a AI copy what you did that day. So you get paid for one day, then you don't have any more employment because they've got the AI doing exactly what you did and they pay you nothing. It's, well, the, the it's thing, criminal. The thing they're not talking about as well, though, is that for the lead actors in those scenes, you give a different energy when you're on your own in a green screen studio and when you're surrounded by other people. You you Actors are, are you know, emotional beings. They feed off the energy of what they're doing. And it's it's going to impact the final performance if they're just digitally adding extras. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean they've been doing digital extras for a long time. I mean, I mean back to well, they, the Dark Knight have, Rises. Yeah, well, they used unpaid extras in some of those. It was you know they put it a cult of fans that you could go down and you know the scene where Bane smashes the um, uh, the stadium. Yeah, uh, those were just fans that showed up and uh, padding the numbers okay fine but the people 
around the principal actor, you know, those should be, and I don't know how much more, I don't know how much money they're actually saving with all this digital. I, I think it's the idea of it. The people making these decisions just hate humans. Well, the way they behave uh, indicates they hate humans, and I think they hate themselves. But, you know, it, Fran Drescher is the president of the Screen Actors Guild, which I was like, really? Fran Drescher? You go. Yeah. Um, she pointed out, studios are saying, you know, we're losing money, we're losing money. I mean, reference back to what you said in the previous segment, which is don't don't overspend on yeah. movies for one thing. Um, but she also pointed out they're giving their executives tens of millions of dollars hundreds. every year. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Is it hundreds of millions? It at this point? If they're getting bonuses of like 110 million, I think I saw. I could be off on that number, but I did see the number 110 million. Yeah, so... They're giving millions of dollars to their executives, whether the movies do well or not, and, and well, claiming I mean, that they don't make that they they have to cut the lowest paid people in the entire echelon background uh, performers. You have to cut them and rip them off. Oh, if if they could cut the stars, they would. Like I said, they hate people. A lot, a lot of these executives are sociopaths. But if you look at one of the most success, successful movies last year, Everything Everywhere All at Once. That was a great movie. Yeah, but a process driven by AI would have rejected that concept out of the hopper. It never would have gotten made. And that's what they're losing with this push towards AI. And they don't care. They don't realize that if you don't innovate you will stagnate you you know it's all well and good to cut costs in the short term but eventually you have to come up with new ideas and that's not an efficient process the the biggest problem in business now they were supposed to be training this out of the schools but it's lingering but ceos nowadays don't know the difference between spending money and wasting money that's like uh, politicians of a certain stripe. The same thing. They don't understand investment yeah. and spend wise spending and wasting. Every dollar well, spent is a waste. The only the only wise investment, according to them, is to their campaign funds. Um, and uh, we'll have to wait and see how long this stretches on. I I think that both sides are digging in because this is this is really a a crucial tipping point for the industry and for yeah. the future of actors and writers, they can't afford to bend on this. So uh, it's gonna be a while if you're if the show or movie that you wanna see hasn't already been produced or released, you, you'd better start looking on uh, streaming services for things that you haven't seen yet because you're gonna be filling your time with that because we're not gonna see anything for, I mean, there's gonna be a gap for months if not longer even if this was to resolve today yeah i was actually talking to one of the striking writers this morning uh and she was saying that it's not that they want to strike it's that they can't not strike like this is that important and the the there was a story that came out in deadline that the movie comp the, the companies are just gonna starve them out because, I mean, they all have their streaming services, right? They can continue to collect revenue 
even if they produce nothing. That is so, true. That's that's yeah. a different. That's a wild card that wasn't there in previous strikes. Yeah, so they can just take write downs for the next year, and continue to make money, and they're cutting uh, their operating costs. I will say this just to end end this that uh, uh, someone has pointed out that if they had just taken a tax write off on the flash, they would have lost a lot less money than releasing it. Well, that's what they did with Batgirl, didn't they? They killed Batgirl, um, even though, as people point out, it would have been the first movie post-Oscar for Brendan Fraser, and it was supposed to be uh, an HBO Max show. So it uh, why they took a, a write-off on something much lower cost, like Batgirl, and continued to pour money into a, a, a dud like The Flash, anyway, we don't I mean, make these choices. We're never going to know. It may have been terrible. It's possible, but you know, it the flash was pretty bad. All right, let's I, go to I a break. Think, I what? think they just thought that um uh audiences would forget. And they didn't. No, audiences do not forget. Because bad stinks, they linger. All right, moving on, Leanna. Mm -hmm. Bullies. I don't like bullies. Nobody does. I mean the only person who likes bullies is no, a bully. Th no, the thing is, plenty of people actually, I mean, look at the whole MAGA movement, right? Okay, I retract what I said. Yeah, people actually like bullies. That They say they don't like bullies. They don't like being the target of a bully. But they prop up bullies all the time. Uh, I mean, you encounter bullies a lot more than I do I, on I have, your social media. I have named nicknamed them Chew Toys. What what does that mean? A guy, a guy was picking on a buddy of mine on Facebook, and I I intervened because he was picking on the guy for having depression. And, wow! And uh, I this this particular guy's story, anybody would have depression with what this guy has been through. And uh, I said to I said to the guy, I said, "Oh, now he gets me." And after about two exchanges, he said, shh, boys are talking. Uh-oh. And, oh, no. and so I screamed, have to put it on Twitter. It's like, I found my chew toy for the day. Oh. And this guy, it was predictable. The minute this guy was backing Andrew Tate, say oh. no more. Andrew but... Tate, for those who don't know, uh, he should be called Andrew Taint. Um, look Andrew him up. Tate is a less sexy version of John Cryer's Lex Luthor on the Supergirl TV show. And if you don't know what that means, look it up. Well, people know who John Cryer is, the guy from Two and a Half Men. Of course, of course. But then yeah. not all of them watch that Luthor. But uh, uh, look it up. Andrew yeah. Tate is a horrible piece you of know what? crap. Andrew Tate is a guy who has at least one mental illness and he's in denial about it and it's very obvious what it, it people who put i would never kill myself in a tweet are fighting something right so that's all you need to know about andrew tate but the thing about these guys is they come on like a ton of bricks they're really abusive until you start throwing abusive language at them and then they settle down 
and that's really disturbing but it's also incredibly irritating <laughs> like they're they're continuing the cycle of abuse and claiming its toughness and i can't stand that now why do you think that when you come at these uh uh a-holes being an a-hole yourself that they just you know they, they put their tail between their legs well because they're frightened little pathetic cowards to put it lightly but they they think that bluster is strength and it's not strength is strength is having enough enough in you to be able to deal with the indignities of life without feeling the need to pick on other people that's what real strength is that's why having a having a good superman movie is so important but that's why i also say that you know you don't get rewarded for being good life kicks you in the teeth repeatedly you don't kick other people that's strength you it stops with you you break the cycle and so many of these guys going on about toughness and weakness and all that stuff they they feel weak they're shaking apart inside and it's obvious to anybody who knows what to look for but the fact that it was maybe six tweets before the guy was not apologizing apologizing because they always wiggle around right they always try to change what they said move the goalpost change the subject and when you catch them they can't be accountable so they start making excuses oh i'm tired oh it's this oh i and it's like no there's no excuse not very strong to start making excuses. Well, the fact that it's 2 a.m. here, I'm tired. I'm like, adults don't start things when they're tired. He was just trying to pick on a guy. And it, it, I, I, it made me angry. I know this is a format where there's a lot of bullies. And there's, you know, talk radio doesn't have the cleanest slate when it comes to this stuff but i'm so tired of there being no money in a nuanced opinion that doesn't start fights just so people can watch the tea spill yeah it's like the people online on, on twitter specifically who when i put up uh my honest opinion which is based on principles which have not changed since they used to watch me 20 years ago um, they're like, you, uh, you're just selling out because you want to make money. It's like, no, 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 no. If I wanted to make money, I would come across like you idiots because there's lots oh, yeah. of money in being a right wing bully. There's no money in there's... nuance yeah. and, uh, uh, empathy and humanity. The money is in being a sphincter. Well, yeah. And let's face it. The left only, I mean, the left doesn't support anybody. Let's be fair. You have to bully. I don't know if you've been following what's been going on with the Young Turks right now, but wow. Not at all, no. Yeah, um, they've gone anti-trans people and won't own that that is not a leftist position. They think they could still be the big voice of the resistance of the left and object to trans women. 
how did we wind up in this world, Leanna? I, I don't. Uh, I, well, I don't, these are. I don't know how we wind same, up here. These are the same people who claim they're socialists, but raise over two million dollars from venture venture capital. You know, there was a funny story. There was a uh, a uh, a cafe in Toronto that was called the Anti Capitalist Cafe. Yeah, it, it went out of business very very quickly. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. What are they? They gonna like grow their own food and give it away for free? Like, I, 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 I was like, dude, um, I guess you got a got a lesson in what happens when you declare yourself to be anti capital capitalist, but not pro anything. Well, that's the thing, though, right? I've been pointing out recently. There's a lot of money in criticizing. There's a lot of money in pointing out problems. There's absolutely no benefit to suggesting solutions because then people will just pick them apart so they don't have to put the effort in to try them. Sadly, you are correct again. This has been, I've, I've done a lot, you know, I've done a lot of nonprofit and charity work, Ed. And that's always been the problem. They want to talk about things. They want to scream and yell. They want to do awareness campaigns and they want to give everybody backpats for being a good person. They don't want to actually try stuff to solve the problem. Well, and I will that's say why that, I'm not a joiner. <laughs> I will say this. Anybody who has worked for any length of time in the Canadian media industry yeah. has done lots of nonprofit work. Well, yes, the whole Canadian media sector is nonprofit. They're constantly crying poverty. You know, I <laughs> People think we're getting that... paid somewhere. I think, well, the people at the top always get paid. I think that if the uh, Canadian uh, writers and uh, actors went on strike, I don't think anybody here would even notice. Well, there's, I mean, the unions here don't do the same advocacy that they do down in, in the U.S. The thing, in my experience, and other people's, you know, individual mileage may vary, but in my experience... The thing that the Canadian unions do more than anything is really, you know, get in the way of independent productions so that people can actually make stuff, get on the map and, um, you know, be a job creator of tomorrow. But having somebody with any sort of name can really help push a project. And oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's very few people in Canada uh, who have a name that can push a project forward. Well, say Simu Liu wanted to do this low budget thing, right? You have to start a process six months before you go to camera to get permission to use a union actor. And a guy of that name can't commit that far in advance. You basically have to get him when he's between things. And so they're making it so it's impossible to do any low budget anything with with any sort of pedigree and so you're stuck using the government tax credit uh grant and uh partial investment system which has juries with existing industry people and they all have biases and feuds it's a it's a corrupt system and i don't have the energy to fight it today i'll tell you that let's uh well. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's more a question of letting people know why things are the way they are. We had just enough time left for mm -hmm. us to uh, lay out our projects. I do want to say that uh, the All Night Show, 
which I've been doing, I'm in month three now. Uh, in the GTA, you can get it at 94.9 uh, FM The Rock or anywhere you can get therock.fm. It's uh, midnight till 5 a.m., uh, Tuesday through uh, Saturday. Um, and uh, it, 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 it's a strange timing. I, anyway, um, you can get it midnight to 5 a.m., Tuesday through Saturday. But people are wondering, where's Monday? So right. people tune in on Monday, and I'm not there, and they don't get it because people are used to things being weekdays or weeknights. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm announcing that uh, starting not this week, but the week after, the Monday will become a best of the all-night show. So mm -hmm. I'll be playing uh, the best calls that, that I had the previous week. That's cool. And, and then it's going to switch, I hope, so that I'm actually live Monday to Friday and Saturday becomes the best of show. Right. But right. Uh, we've gone from five, five days to six days. So that's pretty good. That's great. Very successful. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, you're, uh, I can't say enough good things about It's Not Therapy. Yeah. Uh, it is such a smart, um, uh, in, like incisive human approach to dealing with day-to-day -day problems, not all mental illness. Some things are just uh, a, a certain level of cyclical stress or conflicts with family, with friends, with, at work. Um, so it's, it's all these things that make life challenging or difficult. Mm -hmm. You break it down. You give people the language to understand what they're experiencing so it makes sense. And mm -hmm. you've got these experts on who are not dry as toast. You guys have really good conversations. And the whole thing just does not feel like a pity party, like so many of these mental health uh, podcasts. So I encourage people to listen to It's Not Therapy. It's on all podcast platforms. It's on the SiriusXM app. Uh, there's a number of episodes, more than 50, I think, at this point. Uh, yeah. And, and I, would, I would go back and listen to them all because you will learn something from everyone as I have. Yeah, I mean, that's the important person of having people, who, important thing about people who aren't therapists in the system. You know, therapists are trained. They have a set, a set of language that doesn't work for everybody. But uh, yeah, thank you for the kind words, Ed. It's a really good podcast. And I encourage you not just to listen to it, but to tell your friends and family to listen to it too. Because people won't necessarily always admit what they learned from it but they will learn something. Yeah, and people don't have to admit it as long as it helps them, right? There's still a lot of mental health stigma out there. Some created by the industry. Uh, which is itself a topic, isn't it? Yeah, they don't like talking about that. I, I see <laughs> more and more uh, uh, psychiatrists now going, yes, you know, there are pro but but the, tra the, pra the craft is amazing or the practice is amazing. And it's like, yeah, but... For the average person looking for help, it's all those problems in the system that are what they encounter, not the fun of being a person who makes 200 bucks a session. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. the stuff I hear, there are some really good researchers and clinicians out there. It's just there aren't enough of them. And we need to get more creative uh, and more innovative in how we provide uh, mental wellness services to people. All right. And uh, uh, at that, 
uh, we're going to wrap it up for this week. Um, and uh, I turn it over to Leanna, who uh, delivers our signature farewell. Ready, Leanna? Ready. Do it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.